This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Greetings from Banff in Alberta in Canada. Uh, beautiful place. Um, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, I was uh, gigging in Calgary at the Laugh Shop in Calgary. Thanks to them for having me. Way more Irish in Calgary than I was expecting. So probably should have booked my own venue, but that is not to take away from the Laugh Shop. Great place. Great times had. And uh, an extra sneaky skiing day on Saturday. Uh, and... Um, now I'm here for a week in Banff because I booked this ages ago because I was already all the way over here. So I'm skiing this week and I'm not boasting. I'm just letting you know. Uh, but I was determined to keep the podcast on the regular. I had mentioned during the week that I, or last week, that I was going to put up like a bonus podcast on Monday. But then I realized, you know, I'd recorded a story about meeting a Mennonite on the plane. And uh, then I realized, geez, if I do that, then I'm really under pressure to get something going because I, I really want Thursday to be the day. You know, I really want Thursday to be our podcast day. I feel like a lot of podcasts go up on Monday, so I want Thursday to be our uh, our regular day. And uh, so, anyway, I uh, decided to hold off on the Mennonite story till now, and I want to add another story because obviously this week in Ireland, for those that don't know. In the rest of the world, Ireland has decided to hold a referendum on the Eighth Amendment. Uh, uh, so, uh, more for those that are, are not from Ireland, um, the Eighth Amendment protects the right to life of the unborn. Uh, so, you cannot have an abortion in Ireland um, under any circumstances, really, unless there's a threat to the life of the mother, which can be hard to make clear, as we learned from the Savita Halepanaver um, story tragedy. So um, I thought I would just talk a, a little bit about that. Uh, well, but more, I, I think everyone's opinion on the, on the Eighth Amendment, it's like, yeah, I have my opinion. You know, I'm, I'm totally pro-choice. Um, I, I, was, I was raised by a very Catholic mother, but she was always pro-choice. Uh, she didn't like the idea of abortion, but she thought that women should have the right to have it. She thought that women should have the right to choose whether they have a child or not. And um, and that's the way I was raised. And I think a lot of people's beliefs on abortion are about uh, from the way they were raised. Not always, but a lot of the time. And it's very divisive, and I get that. And if, if you have a completely different opinion to me, I respect that. However, what I don't respect is something as divisive as uh, people's beliefs on abortion. Uh, you know, I, I guess I, d I don't like the law being um, in favor of just uh, one morality. Uh, some things are clear, you know. Some morality is clear. Um, but when it comes to abortion, people are not clear. And some people are okay with it and some people aren't. So I just feel like personally... Uh, if you are against abortion, then you should, you know, not ha not have one, or or but perhaps you know, uh, you can express your opinion if you're in a situation where you're involved in in somebody wanting to have one and you don't want them to have one. But I also think that somebody should have the right, especially when they can just go to England anyway. So we export the problem. I also think it's unbelievably inhumane. Uh, if a woman has been raped, that you think she shouldn't have the right to decide whether, you know, like that she shouldn't have the right to have an abortion. I, I just, to the day that I die, I will not be able to fathom the coldness of that. Um, and obviously in the case of uh, fatal fetal abnormalities, again, pretty heartless, I feel. Um, but, you know, I understand as well that some people have completely opposite opinions and be getting annoyed that I'm saying this. But there's nothing I can do. It's my opinion. You know, your opinion annoys me. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not going to like, uh, 
I'm not going to get uptight. I'm not going to get super upset. I don't even bother reading like discussions on various different papers in the comment section because clearly people are so set in their ways on this. I really just feel that, you know, if, if, if people think abortion is okay, they should have the right to get it. And if people don't think it's okay, they should just not get it, you know, but that's me. Um, that's my, my personal opinion. Um, which brings me to my, my, my story about the, uh, the more militant, uh, members of the anti-choice community. Now, when I say youth defense, um, I can't speak with 100% confidence that my encounter with youth defense was a hundred was definitely youth defense. Okay. But I will, I will, in the story, I will explain why I'm pretty sure it was youth defense. But anyway, let me start at the beginning. Uh, abortion is such a divisive thing in Ireland. You know, I've always found it difficult to talk about it. Uh, and I very rarely made jokes about it. Um, and when I say make jokes about it, I don't mean make light of it. I mean, try to say something funny about an important issue. So I think it was at an Amnesty International charity gig many years ago. I can't remember exactly when, but uh, it was in Vicker Street. And it, it might not have been Amnesty International, but it was definitely a charity gig. And at the time, I had one joke about, it was basically about what I'd already mentioned, that I do not understand the inhumanity of thinking it's okay to force a woman who's been raped to go through with the pregnancy of her rapist's child. So, um, I mean, the joke's not that important, but it was something along the lines of, I can't understand uh, that the Catholic Church would hold that position. Uh, I know they've been a huge fan of rape in the past, but I still don't understand it. It was something like that. It doesn't matter whether you think it's a good joke or not. It was just, I was trying to... Uh, I was trying to get my feeling out there on a on a on the topic, and and I I I'm, I strongly believe that. So anyway, I did it, and it wasn't controversial at the time. I didn't think anything of it. Um, and uh, I can't remember how many years later it was, and I certainly didn't know that I had been on sort of youth defense's hit list. But at the Iraq the Nagelga Govila Sahakt 2008 in Corky. Uh, the this is an assumption of mine, but I think that there are elements of um, the the very I'm not going to say youth defense, but I'm going to say there are elements of um, the anti-choice community, or perhaps like very conservative Catholics, or these are all assumptions. But I I, I think they also may have uh, some connection to like um, strong anti-immigration groups. And um, groups that believe in like the purity of the Irish race. Uh, I mean, I've seen some of it online, and um, other routines of mine have gotten me in trouble with the people that believe in the purity of the Irish race brigade. Uh, a joke I had made once about you know stirring up the gene pool, and um, you know, one day they'll be like Africans playing GAA and all this. Anyway, that certainly annoyed them back in the day. Uh, but in, in, I believe that some of those people latched onto the Irish language as a sense of uh, Irish identity, which on one level I can identify with because I think it's great to express your Irish identity through the Irish language. But I, I don't consider it to be some sense of Irish purity or, uh, you know, like, a, you know, just it's a race thing. You know, it's like, a, I mean, these groups believe in, you know, like, you know, the race purity or whatever. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's not a it's not a far throw because Justin Barrett was involved in youth defense and he clearly is involved in some um he has had involvement with neo-nazi organizations so i think it's safe to say that in 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 some of the sort of very militant anti-choice people 
there may be some connections with uh, this kind of um, racist ideology, you know? And uh, so, but what I, I never knew that there was a, a whole crowd of them that had sort of latched onto the Irish language. So uh, at the Arachtis, I was dancing away at the, at the, at the party, the Kaylee. Uh, the year before, I had uh, done Jump Around in Irish for the first time. I was having the time of my life. 2008 uh, was a little more hectic because In the Name of the Father had already been on TV. And it was just like pretty intense at the Iraq just 2008 because everyone had seen it. And yeah, it was just like, it was manic. So I was a little flustered anyway because people were like coming up to me the whole time. And then this uh this guy like gets right in my face and he was like you believe in the murder of irish children if you believe in the murder of irish children why don't you fuck off back to where you came from and i was like what and he was like you did a gig and you said you believed in abortion that's the murder of irish children and you can fuck off back to where you came from you're not even irish you know this kind of vibe so i was like already agitated from people like coming up to me the whole night, which don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining, but I was just like agitated. And uh, I, I mean, I, like, I can't remember what I said, but I, I, I remember fucking telling this guy to like back off quick because I was going to like hurt him. You know, I was like, I was like, and I had an immediate fight or flight thing, you know? And uh, luckily, um, somebody I, I knew from uh, the Irish language world. I won't mention his name, but he just happened to be there and can see, could see that I was getting flustered and uh, just told your man to fuck off, you know? So I was like, God damn, you know? Like I, like I always feel like, you know, because I have a bad temper, so like I, I, I always have to watch myself because as much as you feel... Well, in that situation, it was pretty justified. Your man was pretty aggressive, you know? And, like, I, I've given the quick version of the story. I mean, like, I think our back and forth went on for a bit, and he was really, like, up in my face, you know? Not to mention he's telling me to fuck off back to where I came from, which always bugs the fucking shit out of me, you know? So, uh, anyway, um, that dissipated, and I was telling the guy that broke it up what had happened. And, um, you know, I think it's, like, isolated incident, you know? And... Uh, you, you, no matter how justified you feel, you don't want to like hit somebody. It's just, it's not worth it and it's it's problematic and it's wrong. So thank God uh, your man was there. And I'm not saying I would have hit him, but I, like it was pretty intense, you know? So uh, I thought that was the end of it. And then I guess about five minutes later, they surrounded me. Now I had already made the assumption that these people were like youth defense, you know? So, uh, by the way, I, forget, I probably should have said that if you don't know who Youth Defense are, they're basically like a serious anti-abortion organization in Ireland. And they're the ones that, well, often they're the ones that are on the streets with like pictures of dead fetuses. And uh, they're the ones that protest outside like family planning clinics. And uh, so, um, and Justin Barrett was involved in the early days of uh, the organization. Uh, so, uh I had already had it in my head, like, oh, God, this guy, they, they, I think this might be like a youth defense guy, you know? Um, and he had brought up the joke from the gig. And I, I definitely think it was an amnesty gig because I think he said you were at an amnesty gig. Um, and uh, so, sorry, let me focus here again. I was just I was just backtracking on what I said there to make sure I, you guys have enough information. So... Uh, I don't know, about five minutes later, I get surrounded by like four of them. And I think there were four women, right? And they're all in my face, like shouting a bit like, you believe in the murder of Irish children? You can fuck off back to where you came from. Like super, super intense, right? So I got out of there fast because now, well, now it was women for starters. So like now I felt really exposed because I couldn't, I didn't want to like shout back at them. I, 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 I just felt like, oh, I'm in a really no win situation here. Uh, and they were just shouting, telling me to fuck off back to where I came from. And um, they were obviously like the one group and he had gone to say to them like that he had already sort of confronted me. So uh, I went to get a bouncer and I said, uh, I said, listen, 
there's some people, they seem to be like hell bent on like having a confrontation with me. Uh, I said, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm not, I'm, I, I want you to see what's going on. So just come with me and we'll see if it happens again. So I brought the bouncer with me. And then when I could, when I got close to them, I shouted as loud as possible. Fucking youth defense are fucking giving me a hard time. I said youth defense as loud as I could. And one of the girl whose face I can still see in my mind, this woman uh, who immediately turned around and she says, what the fuck did you say about youth defense? What the fuck did you say about youth defense? And she was like roaring at me and she started, luckily, luckily, she started grabbing my shirt and pulling it. And that was the moment then that the bouncer grabbed her. I mean, I don't know if they were kicked out, but all I know is from then on, it wasn't my problem. And uh, I stepped away and I remember meeting somebody else that I knew from Connemara and I was just telling them about this fucking shit that was going on. And um, I left. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's some of the people you're dealing with when you're dealing with the militant anti-abortion people, just to let you know. They're super intense. I can't stand them. I couldn't stand them before that, just in their reputation. And I couldn't stand them less. Um, because if you can't talk publicly about the major issues of our country, well, you can just fuck off, you know? So uh, if you ever wonder why people haven't felt that confident talking about abortion in Ireland that's part of the reason why you know and I'm not a religious guy you know and I really do feel that a lot of uh, people's opinions on abortion are religious so I feel like in a I, I, I believe in you know you should be free to be religious you know but you should also respect people who aren't you know so that that's my take on the eighth amendment and uh you know uh that's my story about my encounter with youth defense. And uh, so I hope, my hope for the debate around the Eighth Amendment is that it stays uh, civil. But I don't think it will. Um, I think the emotions run too high. Um, I hope at the end of all this that no matter what, uh, women who've been raped and people who have fatal fetal abnormalities do not have to travel abroad shamed by their own country. Uh, I mean, and I, I also hope that, you know, women who decide that it's not the right time for them to have a child uh, wouldn't have to travel to another country. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. And actually, I've been away from Ireland, so I haven't been, I haven't been following exactly what the wording of the referendum is going to be. I don't even know if that decision has been made yet. But uh, anyway, it's happening. And uh, that's the beginning of me throwing my opinion out there. By the way, just for the record, uh, on the uh, This Is Ireland, the series I, I did in the, the end of 2016, um, Alison Spittle had done a bit about abortion and we discussed it in an interview afterwards. And uh, there was a complaint put into the BAI about that also which was not upheld. Um, in fact, it was uh, unanimously rejected. But uh, that is the problem with the debate about, uh, you know, the, there's just this weird, I think personally, there's a weird abuse of the broadcasting laws. Because I, I actually, I, I think those broadcasting laws are great. You know, the, the concept of fairness and equality in terms of, uh, how you know, how things are, put onto uh you know the message that's put across i like that and i think that's part of the problem with american media is that you know pick your poison and watch it all day you know that's part of the problem with fox news and msnbc it's like what's your politics boom watch your politics all day i think that's unhealthy and as much as people like to criticize rt or uh criticize irish media we actually have a you know we have a wide range of opinions and decent debates on the radio, but I do think that people abuse the um, abuse the broadcasting laws. Uh, they 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 use that fairness law uh, to basically, you know, have a go at media organizations all the time if they feel that their opinion is is not uh, expressed enough. 
Um, so I, I that the, the, they pulled one of those on me basically. Uh, but we, you know we were a satire show, so it was we, we, it didn't fall under the same remit as uh, the the I, I don't even know the name of the law, but the, you know basically the equality and the fairness of uh, of, a, of a point of view. So it was rejected outright. But they're always there. They're always looking to uh, to have a pop, and um, hopefully it remains civil and. Like I, I, I totally, as you'll see from the next discussion, which is about me meeting this, this Mennonite woman, like I completely respect her right to live the way that she lives. And I completely respect people's right to think abortion is wrong, you know, but I just don't think that a religious opinion should be so strong that the laws of the state reflect it, you know? So I'll leave that there. And then I will uh, turn it back over to myself for the second half of the podcast, which is a story about me meeting a Mennonite. And, um, and then I'll chat to you guys at the end. Um, that sound is the sound of the coffee maker in my hotel room. If you can hear it, I'm not sure you can, but I'm uh, a few sips into my first coffee here in Hotel Blackfoot in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, in Canada for those that need that and uh, had a show last night Thursday night uh, first time since Montreal 2010 that I performed in Canada fun shows a few Irish there expecting a lot more Irish at the weekend but um, yeah it was it's cool you know it's always cool to just uh, perform in a different spot and of course I like stupidly said like New York and you know like when you're an autopilot on a routine or you know I have to like I don't know if anyone knows the routines I do about like the phone but you know I always have to like even even in New York I have to like try to Americanize it but that routine is just way better as an Irish story you know because it's really about Ireland you know and uh but they don't you know like when, when I'm doing the phone routine in New York or last night, like they don't get jokes about like that it was only five numbers or like when the dad answers the phone and goes, hello, 72861, uh, that means nothing to them. So I can't do any of that, you know, uh, which is disappointing. That's a sip. I mean, I cannot stand the sound of people drinking on the radio, but. I have begun the podcast before I finish my coffee, so I, ha you know, I have to sip. Um, uh, so, um, oh, I just had a thought. I, I shouldn't have taken a sip there. I was, I was, I was feeling something, and now it's, it now it's gone from my mind. Uh, the other two things I want to talk about are the Good Friday ban on booze being lifted in Ireland, and uh, a, a quick story about how I was sitting next to a Mennonite on the plane on the way over. Let me tell you that quickly because that was kind of interesting. So I was on the plane to Calgary and uh, I had seen these two old-fashioned looking women uh, like in the airport. I, I didn't notice that they were uh, checking in for an Air Canada flight or anything, but I had noticed them. So how can you describe them? Uh, it was two girls with like a bonnet, like like a little like The Handmaid's Tale. Not as serious as The Handmaid's Tale, but close enough. Sort of flowing uh, old-fashioned dresses with a white sort of bonnet on the back. And um, so I wasn't sure who they were. I, I thought, one, they could be like some sort of uh, Hasidic Jewish women, but they seemed a bit sort of bright, like not as dark. Um, their clothing wasn't as dark as normally you would see with like the Hasidic women or the you know orthodox jews more 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 conservative orthodox jews uh I, I i i thought they could be amish but obviously the amish i i don't think the amish fly um and i am a, i i know that the you know amish is really just a sect of the mennonites but um i i i thought maybe they could be mennonites but my my awareness of like what a mennonite actually is was wrong which we'll discuss in a minute so when i first saw them i thought oh maybe they're mennonites mennonites are like more modern Amish is what I thought, right? So, um, and then I wasn't, you know, that was it, I guess. That was the three options I, I thought. I, I may have thought there was one other, but, uh, oh, and then I kind of thought maybe they were hipsters. <laughs> you know, maybe they were just like, maybe that's just like their style or like a hen night 
bachelorette party gone wrong where they were dressing up like Mennonites <laughs> as part of their uh, as part of their hen night. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful, by the way. I'm just saying these were the thoughts that were going through my mind. Anyway, lo and behold, she was sitting. One of them was sitting next to me, 20 years old. Her name is Crystal. I found that out halfway through. So she was keen to chat just in case people thought, oh, I just grilled her, you know, because so she started talking to me straight away. So I was like, holy shit. And she had like an accent, like, like, um, like not of Pennsylvania. I mean, she quickly told me she was from Pennsylvania. So that gave me like a hint that I was probably right on the Mennonite slash Amish front. Uh, but she had like really strange O's like, um, like who you who I I can't even do it, but it was definitely an accent. Uh, it was American, but it was like not an accent I was familiar with. She also was unbelievably positive in her demeanor, like like the most innocent, cheeriest, happiest thing you've ever met, uh, which was heartwarming, to be honest with you. Um, but I hadn't established, you know, and I did. I also, on one level, I, I felt like there was no need to establish like who she was. But at the same time, it was bugging me. Um, and I didn't want to just come out and ask. Uh, so I, we were still in Newark Airport. So I took out my phone and uh, like sort of turned it away from her. Because by the way, at this point, I know that she gets on a plane. Uh, I haven't seen her on a phone, but I'm 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 assuming that possibly she does not go on the internet based on like my limited knowledge of Mennonites. So I take out my phone and I sort of keep it away from her and I Google Mennonite and, and go into images to see if that's like what Mennonites look like because I'm actually not that familiar with what a Mennonite looks like. And uh, lo and behold, boom, I can clearly see that she's a Mennonite. So then I put on the Wikipedia for Mennonites and I have a quick glance over the history and uh, you know it goes back to like immigration from germany the netherlands and switzerland back in like the um the 1600s and um was it menno simons or si menno yeah menno simons i think uh he, he he was like a martin luther type character that split from the catholic church he was a priest anyway he he is the beginning of the mennonites and um they began in europe and then eventually they they came over to America, funnily enough, slightly to do with William Penn. They had like a like an association with Quakers, and then they came over with the Quakers to Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, when we were kids in America, you learned about William Penn. But anyway, he he had brought over these uh, these uh, Quakers and uh, Mennonites to Pennsylvania, and um, extreme pacifist uh, anti violence. Anyway, I I I I can't go through my quick uh, history of the Mennonites, but. Um, through my, you know, a quick look at it, uh, I, I actually, in my quick glance, I didn't see that they, they were directly connected to the Amish. So I was like, oh shit, maybe the Mennonites and the Amish are completely different. So she, but I was very aware that I did not want her to see me Googling. Anyway, she um, continued to chat to me. So then I had the confidence to ask, uh, are you a Mennonite? And um, she was like, oh, that's interesting. Most people think we're Amish. And I was like, okay, well, I said, I, I said I'm going to admit to you that I just Googled Mennonites uh, to make sure that I was right. And um, anyway, she was more than happy to talk to me about her life. I mean, I felt a little guilty because then, obviously, I drilled her with questions because I told her I've never met a Mennonite. And she was like, well, I'm honored. You know, like she was just so bloody nice. Oh, I'm so honored. Oh, it's a pleasure. Oh, yeah, sure. And uh, so then I told her that I looked up Mennonites. And uh, I mean, the, the conversation was very long. And um, uh, so very quickly, I asked her, like, so they they drive and... Um, she was very quick to distinguish Mennonites from uh, the Amish, that the the Mennonites were more a affluent, uh, as she said. And uh, so, but she later said that the Amish are sort of slightly modernizing and, you know, making a bit more money, but they still use like a horse and buggies and everything. But um, she's one of 10. She has eight, no, seven sisters and two brothers. Um, and... Uh, they live near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 
And uh, so they, they, so I was conscious of the fact that I was Googling next to her. So they are very skeptical of the internet, but have begun to use the internet for uh, areas of business. Uh, so in other words, because their business, like their father, their family run a greenhouse, but, um, for ordering supplies and stuff like that, they do use the internet and, uh, but she doesn't like surf the web on the regular. Although I believe she kind of has a bit, she has a cell phone, but it's just a flip phone. And, um, so she doesn't like surf the web and, um, she's never been to a movie theater. Uh, she doesn't watch movies. She doesn't watch TV. They don't have a TV. So I couldn't talk to her about, like, there's so much stuff that you're shocked, like, she doesn't know about. And she's vaguely aware of what stand-up comedy is. Like, vaguely aware. But not not overly familiar. Um, they don't have any performance in the Mennonite tradition. So, like, there's no, like, community play or anything like that. But she does talk about how some members of the community are quite funny and like to tell stories. So when I was trying to explain to her what stand-up comedy was, she was like, oh, so you tell stories. And I was like, yeah, I guess we'll leave it at that. You know, it's like amazing. Um, I'm sorry for these these drinking pauses. But um, as I walk to get a second cup. So anyway... Um, it was interesting because I told her, like, so we're sitting, by the way, we're sitting in front of a screen, this whole conversation. We're sitting in front of the Air Canada entertainment system. So I said, like, you never just, you know, uh, have a look at this thing in front of you when it's sitting in front of you. <laughs> and she was like, well, no, I mean, that's down to your personal choice. Um, I mean, there's no rule per se you know like like i believe ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. She wouldn't get in any big trouble if she looked at it. The vibe I was getting was like, it wouldn't be a massive deal if she looked at it, but it's, it's down to your own personal morality. That's what she said. And, uh, so she said she just wouldn't, doesn't want to. And every now and then she would make these vague references to the dangers of the modern world. And she kept talking about how the world moves way too fast. And, um, you know, I didn't make any judgments on her because I know this is her reality. And it's fascinating the, how people can live an alternative reality uh, within our society, you know. And it does make you question, like, it doesn't make me question, like, is our modern society good or bad? But it does go to show you that what we see as real is not, is, is just perception of reality. And obviously, uh, within these tight-knit communities where there's different elements of control and laws and what's acceptable and what's not, uh, the, the, she would have a completely different view on what I what is acceptable you know what is good for us um, you know she would probably debate the the positives of freedom or complete freedom in society and uh, I, I I mean I was I was fascinated you know um, I never I, she asked me some questions about myself and I was hesitant because I guess in a way I didn't want to shame 
her existence or but it was probably a judgment on my behalf i should have been more honest i mean i was and i'll talk about that in a sec but anyway um just to just to backtrack a little bit so um she was visiting her boyfriend so her boyfriend is a teacher near calgary in alberta somewhere uh, but he's a mennonite teacher um which also brings me to the fact that their education system is completely different she kept saying that to me like um we we learn differently from you guys from from you guys and she always said that you guys like so it was clearly like a difference you know like us and them and that was fine um so their education system is different so our, her boyfriend is a mennonite but his family only became mennonites when he was six years old so they were actually brought into the mennonite community which is completely allowed so i could become a mennonite i could be baptized as an adult into the mennonite faith or the mennonite sect um and uh so she was going to visit him. They've been going out like she's she's uh, 20. So uh, he's 19 going on 20. So they'll probably go out for a year and then get married. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, I'm assuming that they're just like in, in a courtship, but, uh, but it's a, a difficult long distance relationship. And uh, I, I asked her actually, I didn't want to ask too much, but I was like, so she loves her family. Like she said it like five times. Like I really love my family, uh, and I, 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 like it's everything to her, you know. So I thought, how can you? And she had, by the way, taken out a picture of her family uh, to show me, and it was the the cutest thing. All in their little dresses and their bonnets, and the men were all dressed in their little black suits, looked like sort of like like Protestant ministers, you know. Uh, from from the early 1900s and uh, it, it was so cute you know like I just I was literally melting in the chair I just thought oh my god these people in their life is amazing you know and I didn't want to be condescending but I I was literally melting in the chair I was like you people are just so cute you're so cute god damn you know um and uh so I was like how are you going to be away from your family if you marry this guy and she was like i know it's very far away and my dad thinks he's a great guy but he's you worried about you so far and uh i i i i went through such a wide range of emotions for this 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 stranger you know and uh classic of course feeling like i need to look after her but i i actually I, i'm not gonna lie there was parts of me that were envious of the simplicity of their lives you know that's the truth um so anyway let me backtrack to uh to the google incident um, so I told her that I Googled Mennonites and we had taken off at this stage. So, um, I went on, I quickly looked at my phone to see if there was like just enough in my maps, like just that would show up without internet that, uh, I could see exactly where Harrisburg, Pennsylvania was. Cause I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't figure it out. And her geography, like her geography, like everywhere in Pennsylvania, I said, she said it was three hours away. So I feel like her geography was off. Um, so I couldn't exactly figure out where Harrisburg was. And it wasn't near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which I kind of had an idea about because of, uh, you know, because that's where the Amish are, you know? So uh, anyway, uh, I went on my phone to see if the maps came up and it, it didn't. Um, and then she, I, I, I said, uh, I said, did you know there was 2.1 million Mennonites in the world? And she was like, there is? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think from my limited Google search, I might know a lot more about Mennonites than she knows. Uh, yeah, I said, there's uh, 700,000 Mennonites in Africa. And uh, she was like, there is? And I was like, oh, shit. So wait a minute. I, I, I felt like, oh, my God, wait a minute. This Have I said too much? Because, you know, I don't want to, like, whip out Wikipedia right now and fucking blow this girl's mind with basic information on the internet and by the way this is not arrogance on my behalf this is just like we know that our phones have a wealth of information uh and she has not had access to this information even though she's on a plane in in our world so this is like a fucking weird moment where i go what is my civic responsibility in terms of you know passing on information to this woman you know and to a degree I, I used to feel that a little bit in china where i'd be like hey you know i have this vpn and i could show you the reality of tiananmen square right now so anyway uh i uh i was like hey well i i think the wikipedia will still be up you know well I, and she was like oh yeah so anyway 
we were going through and she was actually aware of like loads of her history you know she knew about the obviously the Mennonites the Amish and the Hutterites I didn't know what Hutterites were um and she was aware of like the different schisms to a degree she was aware of the different schisms that had gone on in the Mennonite religion and she obviously knew about uh Menno Simons and um you know she knew about uh, some other uh, she knew about low german and high german which i didn't know about which is like different things that they speak in pennsylvania pennsylvania german and all these things that i only know about because i sat next to this woman like i didn't know any of this 24 hours ago so uh but i was also like oh fuck you know like will i say too much or you know but but she she actually the only thing she really didn't know about was that there were 700,000 Mennonites in Africa, uh, mostly in the Democratic Republic of Congo and Ethiopia, and that there was 2.1 million Mennonites in the world. But she was aware that there was a lot of them in South America and that some Mennonites she knew had gone there and also some Mennonites from South America had relocated to to various parts of the United States. And um, uh, she knew that like different Mennonite groups or Amish uh, use shunning or not. She said her group was not big into shunning. Um, but she said she was aware that sometimes people don't eat with us, with us. uh, you know, that they, they eat on their own. So I guess there is still a bit of shunning going on, but I think she was saying that that's like communities near her, but not, not her community per se. Um, and so, so it was just a funny, I was just a funny moment where I was worried about, you know, saying too much. So uh, before I finish my story about Crystal Stauffer, by the way, uh, and and then there was some stuff in Wikipedia about Stauffer, Stauffer Mennonites or St there was a, there's like a Stauffer group, but that 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 was she said, oh yeah, my grandfather was one of them. So the Stauffer Mennonites were extremely conservative, very conservative, and uh, used to shun and all that stuff. So she was aware that uh, she came from a, a line of Stauffer Mennonites, uh, Stauffer Stauffer. Uh, and um, maybe I shouldn't have said her full name, but I, I think it's okay. Uh, and you know she won't be um, she won't be seeing any uh, cyberbullying that goes on, which to a degree you'd have to, you know you'd have to agree sometimes that maybe they're better off staying off the internet, you know, because for all the good there's so much bad. But anyway, uh, which I say a lot when I'm chatting to myself, you know these. But anyway, so I apologize for those. So she did ask me a few questions about myself. Uh, the first question she asked me was, do I believe in Jesus? Uh, so I said I used to. <laughs> you know, that was, my, that was my hedge. I said I was raised Catholic. Uh, and then I did that classic, I guess, thing that I do where I, I, I try to make as much of a connection without sort of, uh, without going against my current viewpoint. So I was like, oh yeah, I was a Catholic and I was real Catholic. I was an altar boy and uh and and, and my accent changed. <laughs> Suddenly I'm a Mennonite. But uh I was like, oh yeah, I was very Catholic. I was I was an altar boy and then I was a reader at Mass and uh, you know, we were we, we went to Mass every Sunday. And um and then she was like, What happened? And I, I you know, I I said uh well, the joke, I actually did a quick joke on stage last night, and I was like, well, I got educated, uh, which got a laugh. But I actually, you know, it's, that's always the, the battle with the stand-up comedian. It's like, do you, do you, you know, do you sacrifice an element of respect for another human being's belief, which I have, uh, but, but at the same time, are you disrespecting your own belief to not make that joke? So... The joke is that for me, the journey to not believing in God came from uh, a journey of education. But at this, so I'll make that joke and I'll get a laugh. But at the same time, I'm always aware that there's an element of disrespect for somebody else's belief in that. But that's that's the trade-off, and you know, I I you can't disrespect your own. But you, you, if you spent your whole time worrying about disrespecting somebody else's beliefs. Uh, you know, you know. So, will you sacrifice your own uh, because you don't want to disrespect somebody else? I, I, I just think that's an element of uh, free speech that I respect too much to 
to worry about. Uh, so I, I wasn't disrespecting her beliefs per se. I was just representing my own on stage last night, and it got a laugh. Uh, but there was an element. I, I immediately backtracked at the gig, uh, you know, because you know I I I I like the laugh that came, but I also am aware that some people might have not liked it, and I respect their right not to like it. Uh, so anyway. Um, and all that going through your head while trying to make people laugh. <laughs> that, that is the challenge of stand-up comedy. So uh, she asked if I believed in Jesus. And, you know, if it was like a born-again Christian, you know, trying to convert me, I would have, like, debated them, you know? But with her, I thought, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to, like, you know, I can't imagine that she's been in a lot of debate. Like she's in a very safe environment for her belief system. And I am not going to put any, anything out there that, uh, you know, would, would, would ping in her brain, you know? Uh, but also she's from some, such a safe environment. I don't think it would matter anyway, but at the same time, like I respected her unique situation way too much to get into a debate about. I didn't want to, uh, selfishly, really, because I was too curious about her life, you know? Uh, and there's a lot more of me in the world than there are of her. So I thought, she, she, she probably knows a lot more about my world than I know about hers. So let me, let me, uh, let me, let me deflect. So um, I told her I was very Catholic uh, when I was a kid, but I'm not anymore. And, um, I, you know, I, I think I said something like, oh, you know, just life happens and these things. Uh, I, but I did, of course, I said, but I just try to be a good person uh, every day, uh, which is true. That is my belief system. I don't believe you need like a, like a, like a religious moral code uh, to be a good person. And I think that our morality evolves. And, um, and uh, so anyway, uh, she, uh, she then asked me, was I married? I was like, oh, bollocks. <laughs> I am literally the least Mennonite person on the fucking planet here. Fucking ten in her family crystal with her parents and that don't believe you know, we don't believe in divorce. Uh so um are you married? I was like, No, I'm not married. She's like, Really? Like like baffled by this. So I was like, Oh, I was nearly married, you know, I was engaged and uh we broke up in two thousand and eight. Thank God she didn't get into like what happened, you know. But um so I I I uh I, I I deflected on that one too, and uh, so um, uh, you know I I you know I am not gonna lie I I told her I had a girlfriend I mean it, it it's kind of a lie, you know, uh, so uh, I just wanted to get her off the scent, um, so anyway, uh, she kind of accepted that, and we moved on, so. Uh, I mean, that's it, really. Um, I mean, I, I, I really wanted to just like ask if she would talk to me on the podcast, but I thought that would be way too disrespectful. And I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be allowed to engage in modern media if she's not allowed to listen to it or watch it, that she wouldn't be allowed to, um, you know, uh, engage with it so i didn't ask i thought it'd be too disrespectful anyway you know it, it, bloody downright rude but she was so interesting and she was so nice and her sister by the way was further back in the plane and um so, so i went for a, a pee and it's just so interesting because they have their own way of engaging with technology so when i was walking back i saw her sister was on ipad right and I, I just could see because I was walking back, you know, so I could see her iPad and she was like just looking at pictures of Mennonites. <laughs> you know, like, like, like she wasn't on Facebook. Uh, I investigated when I got back to Crystal and said, oh, I see your sister was looking at some uh, some some shoot, uh, pictures on iPad. She was like, oh, she's writing a letter, um, uh, putting together pictures from her wedding. Uh, so there was like this, she was, I could see then that she had been writing like this long script, um, about the wedding experience and then pictures of the wedding were there. But as I passed, like, it was just like an iPad with pictures of Mennonites, you know? And it was just, I don't know. It, there was, there was such a cuteness to it because 
they're evolving at their own pace and in their own world they're just like they're looking at each other in their little flowing gowns and um their little bonnets and uh so i was delighted to be uh to have a little glimpse into the a unique world of the mennonites and um she talked about uh, crystal talked about her dress sense and she said that we don't have to do it we just choose to do it for modesty um and uh you know after watching a handmaid's tale the word modesty and all these things are bandied about so i did actually ask her i said you wouldn't be aware of the handmaid's tale would you <laughs> which was probably a dumb question because of course she's not aware of the fucking handmaid's tale and uh thank god uh, i actually said you know if you're ever near it like don't watch it because <laughs> uh, i literally think her world would fucking fall apart but I did say that I, I feel like there's elements of a Handmaid's Tale dress sense that perhaps they borrowed from uh, the Amish. Uh, so that was that story, which was a fucking lot longer than I was expecting. Fuck! God damn it! This is going to be a long, bloody podcast. I mean, I think it's interesting. So very quickly, um, the ban on uh, Good Friday drinking was lifted. So... Yippee on one level. For any Americans that are listening, in Ireland, there's two days of the year that you can't, the pubs won't open, licensed premises won't open, including off-license. It's uh, Christmas Day and Good Friday. Uh, nobody seems to have a problem with the Christmas Day pub closings because I guess it's such a family day and that's part of the tradition and people are happy with that part of the tradition. People not as happy with the Good Friday ban because it seems pointless and... Uh, so it's gone. You can now drink in pubs on Good Friday. Now, for those that aren't aware, because you couldn't drink on Good Friday, people drank more than you could possibly imagine on Good Friday just because you couldn't. So people would pour into the uh, pour into the, the off-licenses of Ireland on Holy Thursday, the day of the Last Supper. So while, while, Jesus, was getting his, while Jesus was washing the feet of the apostles, Irish were pouring into off licenses to stock up lest there should be 24 hours where they didn't have access to booze and while it's comical and reinforces stereotypes it was always such an odd ban i felt because it was wrapped up in religion and you know this sense of fasting and mourning for the death of jesus and you know um as you can see from my story about Mennonites, I have a lot of respect for other people's faiths, but what I don't have a lot of respect for is when there's too much connection between church and state. So I've never liked the ban on Good Friday drinking. Despite the fact that I haven't drank since 1995, I never liked the ban on Good Friday drinking. Uh, never understood it. It was always a pain in the ass in terms of comedy and shows. And Well, actually, it was great uh, in that theaters have an exemption from the band so if there's a show the bar could open so sneaky trick i actually had many good friday shows throughout the years because they would sell faster than other shows because people knew that they could see the show and drink the shows were never great because everyone was always fucking annihilated drunk but um they were great for selling tickets uh so uh theaters had exemptions but boats you know all, uh, like ferries to wales sometimes people get a ferry to wales and back just to get drink on good friday and um, I think trains were allowed to sell drinks. So there was always like the Good Friday trains. Anyway, it's gone now. And while I'm happy, there is a little part of me, and I, I believe that some people were debating about this, that it's sort of part of tradition and kind of like an Irish identity. There's a part of me that's kind of sad that it's gone because it is just a unique thing that Ireland had. And while it was always sad to watch all these zombified tourists walking around going like, what is going on? I'm here for the weekend. There's a bank holiday weekend. And now all of a sudden I can't get into the bar for the happy drinks and the the, the Irish music and Irish stew. Uh, I just want the Irish stew and the Punta Guinness. Uh, while I felt bad for them, um, I will long for... Uh, even just the giving out about it, you know, just that, that part of Easter, which was... Oh shit, the pubs are closing. Uh, so it's gone now and I'm happy because it's that one one more chip away at the ridiculous uh, presence that the Catholic Church had in Irish law and then Irish education, uh, which is uh, slowly chipping away. And again, like I say, I respect people's faiths and I went to Catholic school myself in America, but 
you know, it wasn't uh, public school, you know, and our public schools were, uh, you know, the kids that went to public school had separate religious education that they did in their own time. Uh, but my parents had the right to send us to a Catholic school, which they paid for. And while I think that actually uh, people who want a Catholic education uh, should still have the right to get state, you know, that still have the right to get a public education that is Catholic, I just feel that there should be way more options available in Ireland. And the debate uh, rages on, but um, I don't buy for a second that the that there's enough choice, and I don't buy for a second that the fact that uh, in the since the the dawn of the Irish Free State, that um, there wasn't way too much uh, interaction between the Catholic Church and the government in developing the infrastructure of the state. You know, so the the much of Irish infrastructure, particularly uh, around education, and obviously years ago in terms of um, child welfare was way too wrapped up in the Catholic Church. And the Irish state allowed the church to take on too much of it. Also health. Uh, so um, I'm glad that that, that, that balance is, 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 is slowly uh, uh, changing. Um, and again, I respect everyone's right to their beliefs. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I just feel it would be better to have more choice. Uh, and uh, so uh, I guess we can celebrate uh, the Good Friday band disappearing while at the same time not being afraid to long for the nostalgia of a different time. And, uh, and, and I am nostalgic uh, to a degree for the, uh, for the Good Friday drinking band. I mean, it hasn't affected me in a long time because I don't drink, but, um, but I did always, I, I, I did kind of enjoy the, uh, the, you know, I, I, there was something I liked about it. I think it's quite ridiculous that these good, the, the, the Good Friday pub crawls are being organized. It's like, listen, man, the, people are drinking every day in Ireland and they're drinking loads. So there's no need to make it seem like it's a special day. You know, let's just be mature about it and just get on and be like, great. You know, we can go to the pub on a day off, you know, because it's a day off and it's nice to have the freedom to do whatever the fuck you want uh, within reason. So happy days. No more stocking up. Uh, no more crises on a Thursday night. No more 24-hour famine uh, of, of booze. The drought is over. Long may it last. And uh, for the final section of the podcast, which I guess is a bit more, um, bit more serious. That's uh, not serious. You know, we're just having the crack. Uh, I, I talk, as I said, about um, do I have an anxiety disorder? It's literally me just fucking hammering away to myself on on uh you know like times where i think maybe that is what that is but i've never been to a doctor about it and uh i um yeah i i, I guess it's just literally just like I, I i'm a little bit from the put it out there and see how it affects people so it's literally just me having a little muse uh about um whether you know the times that I get incredibly stressed, if that's normal or not, I shouldn't have put down. Am I? Do I have an anxiety disorder? I should have put down. Am I normal? That should have been the question. Am I normal? Because here's the thing. In in the early years of me not drinking, I really did a lot of work on myself. Like I I talk about this in a minute, uh, but but just to just to just to verify something, um, I did like a lot of. A lot of stuff, a lot of therapy, a lot of all that stuff. And I, I was so confident, not just about what made me tick, but I literally thought that I knew everything about the human condition. And arrogance, I would say, almost. You know, uh, I guess the zeal of the newly converted, you know, the sense of, oh, I get it. I'm an enlightened being, you know. Um, and the thing that sucks about getting older is you realize, you know, the older you get and the more you know, the less you know. So nowadays I think I know nothing, you know. I, I kind of miss, I kind of miss the, you know, I miss the confidence that I used to have about what I know. I'm glad that I have the wisdom to know that I know less, but I do miss that confidence. I mean, it's, it's actually, you know what, it's easier to write material. It's easier to be, uh, to write a show when you fucking think you know, you know, when everything is black and white, you know, and um, it, you know, it, the, the fucking nuance sucks. Nuance is a pain in my ass. Uh, so uh, now that I know that I know so much less, I prefer to be more honest and put out the questions, you know, 
So now I'm literally putting out the, the unconfident questions about myself of what am I, who am I, and how can I grow in my 40s uh, by talking to anonymous people on a podcast about my shit. Uh, but I think it's healthy, you know, like I think it's funny. I'd rather this podcast be uh, an eclectic mix of things, whether it be fucking Matteo talking about Liza Manelli or... Um, you know, uh, Ashling B uh, talking about, uh, you know, how, how women live in fear or, uh, you know, Godfrey talking about uh, the racist equation, you know, like the various things that we've had uh, on the podcast uh, or John Bishop talking about his working class roots, you know, like I'd rather it be a real eclectic mix of, of topics. So, if it if it's my time to talk on my own, you know, I'm not just gonna rant about Trump, you know, um, which I have I have a quick Trump rant if I could digress. Um, Trump is really boasting about the effects of the corporate tax cut, and while that's great and all, uh, Obama wanted a corporate tax cut back in 2013. It was turned down by the Republicans. Turned down, uh, so we could have had all the benefit. You know, we could have had. It, it wasn't as much. It was 28%. Uh, it wasn't as much as Trump did. But um, but it would have been... No, sorry. It was 25% and lower for... No, 28% and I think 25% for uh, manufacturing. So we could have had some of these benefits back at a time where it was way more needed, right? We're seeing huge benefits now from this corporate tax cut. Tempor we'll see long term, but you know, at the moment you're seeing this little bump. Uh, but it was way more needed back in 2000. That was a time where the economy needed more of an injection than it does now. Right, and this prick is going on talking about how great it is. And the Republican talking about how great it is when they blocked it at a way more important time. So, while it's great that they think that they're like the saviors, they actually stopped progress for such a long period of time. So it's just sick, you know. I've just so had it up to my eyeballs with politics because it's so not about what's good for society and all. What's about what's good for these fucking parties, you know? So it's so fucking stupid. It's so ridiculous, actually. Um, politics in general not just trump my frustration with trump is always there but my frustration with politics grows you know even even louder in my head because uh, it's just so ridiculous like us and them republicans Democrats, who gives a fuck so thanks everybody for listening and uh, i hope these kind of podcasts are okay sort of like semi storytelling um i will be back to some interviews when i get back to new york and it's not 100 percent sure but i think i'm going to be back in ireland for a week in march so I'll try to stock up in a couple while I'm there. Anyway, uh, my next shows in uh, New York are in Long Island. Friday, uh, the last Friday of February, I'm in Belmore in the Governor's Brokerage. And the Saturday, I'm in McGuire's in uh, Bohemia in Suffolk County. And uh, then I'm in Boston the following week, March 1st, 2nd, 3rd. And then I'm in um, Caroline's, New York for uh, Patty's weekend, 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, and it is in that gap between those shows that I'm hoping to get back to Ireland. And uh, that is uh, hopefully to get back and uh, do a bit of promo for the special coming out on RT Player. Um, anyway, I've been skiing all day, so I am absolutely exhausted. And I know that doesn't help you guys to like me. I'm sure you're all thinking, what a prick. What an absolute asshole that he would gloat about his uh, skiing. But it is my, it is an addiction of mine. I'm addicted to the powder, which taken out of context could, uh, <laughs> could be a headline. Des Bishop admits he's addicted to the powder. But, um, so, uh, I can, you know, I can see that people seem to, people seem to like the, the, the just me chatting. Um, I don't know if they'd be happy if it was all the time, but for now, it, it's working. It helps to keep them regular. Not sure which is more important, good podcast or regular podcast, but regularity seems to be pretty important. So I hope this one was okay. And uh, yeah, you know the usual. Instagram me, Facebook me, uh, Snapchat me. Des Buffer is my Snapchat. And... Uh, you know, it's so embarrassing. I actually started looking at my phone. So I better just get off. Um, so thanks, guys. And I'll chat to you soon. By the way, I, I keep forgetting to say this. But uh, 
It's Melty Brains. New Dawn is the song that played at the beginning of this podcast. And they allowed me to use it, and I haven't given them enough props. Awesome Irish band. Melty Brains with a question mark. Thanks. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.